When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? It's Taylor Cowles here for CLNS Media. And with the Patriots kicking off the preseason on Thursday against the Texans, figured it was a pretty good time for a roster projection. Now, I've been trying really hard to get these rosters down to 53 people. I've had a ton of different versions. I thought I was set, but I had a conversation with our guest today, and he had me rethinking my entire strategy. And instead of keeping those valuable lessons to myself, I figured, why not share with our beautiful audience? So today we're joined by another member of the CLNS Media family, Alex Barth of 98.5 The Sports Hub and the Catch-22 podcast on Patriots.com, which I listen to religiously. Highly recommend. Alex, how we doing, buddy? Good. This is fun. A little training camp home and home, a little joint practice. I loved having you on the Sports Hub Patriots podcast earlier in camp. That's still one of our most downloaded uh, episodes so far to this point in, in camp. And uh, hopefully we can beat, beat those numbers here. Hey, we'll see what happens, buddy. I had a good time. Hopefully I can be as great a host to you as you were to me. Uh, and that starts with being sensitive to your time. So let's get things started off. First position, obviously, we got to start with quarterback. Now, you had a fantastic article where you detailed all the positions. Now, with quarterback, actually, something has changed since you wrote it. Originally, Malik Cunningham was really just a receiver, but now we're starting to see more snaps from a quarterback. So you had Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. What are you thinking of that position right now? And also, what are your thoughts on Trace McSorley and where he could end up on the roster? I, I still think it's it's Mac Jones and, and Bailey Zappi on the roster, and that's it. They've got too much depth at other positions. They've got too much need for depth at other positions to to fool around with the third quarterback, especially when I, I think between Cunningham or McSorley, they can get one of those guys on the practice squad. And to me, that's everybody wants the, the quarterback competition in Patriots training camp. Well, here we go. We have a quarterback competition for the third spot, for the training camp spot, for the scout team quarterback spot between Malik Cunningham and Trace McSorley. They need that athletic, mobile option passer to help prepare them for some of these more athletic, new-age quarterbacks they're going to face. You know, right away off the bat, Jalen Hurts to a tag of Iowa. Malik Cunningham and Trace McSorley, neither of them are either of those quarterbacks, but you need somebody similar stylistically uh, to get you through on the scout team. And I think they signed McSorley as kind of the safe option here. And then, hey, if Malik Cunningham looks like he belongs, great. If not, we know we have McSorley. So... I don't think either of them is making the 53. I don't think they're in danger mm -hmm. of losing either player, at least not to start the season. So it's just who who do they like better on the scout team? And and I think Cunningham certainly has an edge there as a project player, as a wide mm -hmm. receiver. So it it was basically just a matter of can he show them enough uh, at quarterback that they can trust him to be the scout team quarterback while he develops a wide receiver. So we'll see what that looks like in the preseason game. I think we're going to get to see that uh, this week. We saw it a little bit in practice, but that to me is the battle. It's those two for the practice squad. I don't. I, I would be shocked if you see more than two quarterbacks on the initial 53-man roster. Completely agree. It feels like with McSorley, you got the veteran, great locker room presence, all that good stuff. Malik Cunningham, you got youth, 
and potential positional versatility. Now, obviously, both guys bring mobility, so it's going to be interesting, as you said, to see how that shakes out in the preseason. Moving on to another part of the backfield, running backs. I feel like this one's pretty straightforward. You know, they got the guys on the roster. They have had some people in for visits. So depending on what happens with Ty Montgomery, we'll see how it ultimately shakes out. But what do you see happening with that position so far? And if, say, Ty Montgomery isn't ready to go for week one, who do you see them potentially bringing in? Yeah, this one's still – this was actually a tough one for me because mm-hmm. I think you have a guy like Kevin Harris. They cut him last year. Mm-hmm. They cut him last year, and he was on the practice squad. They brought him back. Could they do that again? Where are they at with Ty Montgomery? Whether he's healthy or not, do they trust him enough to stay healthy, to give him a roster spot? They've talked about needing to limit Ramondre Stevenson's workload, and they are absolutely correct in needing to do that. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. He cannot be a 300-touch guy again. That's nothing against Ramondre Stevenson. It's not sustainable in the modern NFL. All of these teams that have feature backs, the Titans, the Cowboys until recent years, they all tail off at the end of the year. Why is that? Because they're running back so beat up that he can't be the same difference maker he was to start the season. I really don't want to see the Patriots become one of those teams. And I don't want to see Ramondre Stevenson become one of those backs. I want to see mm-hmm. him playing his best ball for 17 weeks and hopefully more. So they need another guy to spell him. They don't have a proven option for that right now. So you figure they got to keep up multiple candidates, you know, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, Ty Montgomery. So I feel like they're going to keep four. I had those four on. The one spot I'm kind of looking at wiggle room again, could Kevin Harris get released to get somebody on the roster and then brought back? Also, if they were to sign a guy like a Ezekiel Elliott, I think that means that they give up on the time Montgomery experiment as promising as he's looked at times. It's just, if the guy can't stay healthy, he's a guy you need to build specific things in your offense for. Mm-hmm. And if you build it, you spend the time to build those things in and then he gets hurt. That's wasted time. And I, it, it's kind of a crass way to put it, but it's business and you can't be wasting time on a player. You can't count on. So I do think they keep four running backs. I just did which four they are after Ramondre Stevenson and one of the draft picks from last year it could go any number of ways. Like Kevin Harris will be here. And I think he'll be on the 53 by October 1st, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't surprise me if they put him on the practice squad right away. It also wouldn't surprise me if they keep both of those guys. And what do you think of Pierre Strong? Because I feel like Ty Montgomery, the reliable veteran, you know what you're going to get out of him. Obviously, health is a big factor. But Pierre Strong, in terms of the role he'd likely have, I think he's more of a change of pace back. Like, I think Ty Montgomery is a true third down guy. You really don't want to give him a ton of carries. But Pierre Strong is like, okay, he's got some positional versatility. You might be able to use him downfield. You know, I don't know how extensive his route tree is yet. We really don't know. But we saw last year against the Bills in that last game of the season on the interception that Mac threw to Nelson Aguilar. Pierre Strong was running a seam, and he was open, also a concept we saw in college. So what have you seen from him in camp, and how strong of a case does he have for the roster? So him and Kevin Harris are kind of in the same boat for me. Mm -hmm. They haven't been bad. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been good. They've just kind of been there. And for a third or fourth back, that's that's good. If you're talking about a second back, like neither of them have been up to the level that Damian Harris was at, and that's the role you're trying to fill. So there are still a ways to go, and I I think part of the reason – well, all right. Part of the reason the Patriots haven't signed a running back is because everybody's waiting for Dalvin Cook to sign. And they want the market to be set. Guys like Ezekiel Elliott, guys like Leonard Fournette, they want the market to be set before they sign. The other reason I think maybe the Patriots haven't been as aggressive is they don't need that running back right now. They need a second back for week one of the regular season. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, it will say like a week or two before just to get 
accustomed to the offense and get ready to go. But right now, you don't. I don't think there's a need to have that guy on the roster, especially if you're planning in a, uh, planning on bringing in an experienced veteran like Elliot or Fournette. So why take up reps? from strong and Harris. I think that's mm-hmm. what they're doing right now is they're giving these guys the spotlight. They're giving them the floor to prove what they can do. Joint practices will be big. We really need to see them in pass pro. Cause that's yeah. so big yes. for this team running backs in pass pro. And I think we'll see a lot of that. They generally do a lot of that stuff in joint practices, but you know, as it stands right now, I don't know. I'm definitely comfortable with both of them being the third back. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm comfortable with either of them being the second back. I'm not saying they can't get there, but uh, they, they, neither of them have popped. You know, we, we've had guys that have, that have popped in this camp that, you know, rookies are the obvious examples, guys like Tamario Douglas. Um, but even a guy like like Mac Wilson, who's been around, but you're seeing him, his game looks different this summer. Mm-hmm. He looks better. And we'll get to Mac Wilson in a little bit, I'm sure. But I I haven't. How many times have you been there? And like, oh, Pierre Strong. Oh, Kevin Harris. All right. Like, I just haven't had those moments. Again, they're just the way they're just sort of there. They haven't been yeah. bad. There's not like, uh oh, Pierre Strong. Uh oh, Kevin Harris. But it's mm-hmm. just they, they, they've just kind of been uh, been in the background. Yeah, and it's, just, it's also interesting because when the running backs get involved, I don't want to go on too much longer about them. But with the runs, like you're not seeing them. Some There have been periods where they actually are tackling. But it also feels like it's tough for running backs to really stand out given the nature of these practices. Yeah. Or they're trying to keep guys healthy, like especially the screens with the issues on the offensive line. It feels like screens are getting blown up consistently. You're not really getting opportunities for Pierre Strong to show his elusiveness in space. I feel like you do see the burst, but it's usually once, you know, he gets past the second level because no one's really trying to bring him down. And then he's just kind of going there. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that running back position shakes out. Another position where the bottom of it is kind of up for grabs. I wonder what you think about it for wide receivers. Now you've got Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demario Douglas, who I'm sure we could talk about at length. I don't think he's a surprise at this point to potentially make the roster. And then Tyquan Thornton. Now, like we said, it seems like Demario Douglas, he's probably going to make the roster. Like he would have to just fall off a cliff at this point because he's been outstanding. But it feels like that fifth receiver spot might be a pretty significant competition because Kayshawn Booty has been putting good days together. He was a little more quiet today, but he's been making some pretty outstanding catches and said himself that he's built confidence and feels like he's starting to grow. So what do you think about that position and how much of a competition do you see? And do you think there's a possibility they keep a sixth receiver? I personally don't, but what do you think? I I, I don't think they keep a sixth receiver right now. I, there, there's essentially two different things going on here simultaneously. And what's complicating all of this is Tyquan Thornton's draft status. Tyquan Thornton's going to make the team because he's the 50th overall pick a year ago. It's too early to give up on him. And some people come back and say, hey, they took Duke Dawson in the second round and traded him after a year. The difference is that team had Steph Gilmore, Jason McCourty, JC Jackson. Like they didn't need, they were set at corner. I, this team can't give up on any semblance of hope at wide receiver. They just can't afford to do it. So, you have two things going on. You you have Tyquan Thornton and Demario Douglas battling for that fourth wide receiver spot, four and five. And then you have Kayshawn Booty basically trying to catch Thornton to bump Thornton down to six and force them to keep that six receiver. The unique thing about Kayshawn Booty, he's not your average six round pick because of his pedigree, top high school recruit, breakout star as a freshman at LSU. If teams see one glimmer of hope from him in the preseason, He's not getting to the practice squad. He's not yeah. getting through waivers because they're going to look at it and be like, the Patriots fixed them. And, and mm-hmm. if they don't want to take them, we will. So they almost might get forced into keeping six receivers. 
this gets into a concept I've written about in the past and I'm going to be writing about uh, probably in a week or two. Again, I do this every year. And Taylor, I know you said you want to get into it. We can get into it whenever you want to. But basically, there, there are these things called at-large roster spots. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, every team has to keep a certain number of players at each position. So that accounts for 40-ish roster spots, a little over 40. And then you have certain players, like for instance, the minimum number of wide receivers a team is going to keep is three. That is like across the league, Teams never keep fewer than three. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but if we're going by the absolute minimum, it's three. But this team's keeping at least four receivers because mm. they're going to keep Thornton. So that takes away another roster spot. Um, another example is at safety. The minimum at safety is three. They're definitely keeping at least four safeties. They have four mm. star safety. Yep. Like those got so you're losing roster spots there. Matthew Slater also doesn't factor into that. He's kind of his own thing. So you keep knocking away these roster spots and what you end up with when you factor in the positional minimums and the roster locks on top of that is what I call at-large roster spots, which is basically the number of roster spots that can be won by simply being the better player on the best player available. Because there are players who are not among the best 53 who make the team. The backup quarterback usually isn't one of the best 53 players on the team, but he's going to make the team. So that knocks called to 53rd best player off the roster. It's like March Madness, how the conference champions knock off some power five teams who might be better, but they weren't good enough relative to their conference. I know I said, maybe you want to get into it later. And then I did the whole spiel. Sorry about that. But no, not at all. Being, not at all. The point being like Dorton is going to make the roster in addition to Parker, Juju and Bourne. And we're really getting there with Tamario Douglas. So now that's five. Kayshawn Booty is essentially going to have to win one of those at large roster spots. If he wants to make the team, like I said, I'm writing this in a couple of weeks. I usually need to see a couple of preseason games to really get the numbers right. But, you know, at large roster spots on this team, it's going to be under 10. It's mm. probably going to be five or six. I wouldn't be surprised if it's four. Like that wouldn't shock me. So can he be one of the four best other players on the roster? And I mean, that group goes from, you know, all the tight ends after Henry and Gesicki are in that conversation. Um, you have some defensive linemen, a, a guy like Daniel Quale, uh, Sam Roberts, Carl Davis are in that conversation. I think Mac Wilson, Anthony Jennings might be in that conversation. Some other rookies, Anthony uh, Jennings, uh, not Anthony Jennings, sorry. Um, Isaiah Bolden is in there. Amir Speed is in there. Mm-hmm. Jordan Healy is in there. Like these are guys that are going for those at-large spots. So Kayshawn Booty has to be one of the four or five best players of that group. Can he do it? I think he can, but it's going to be a really tight margin. There's not going to be a ton of room for error, and those joint practices are going to be huge in determining that. I'm glad you did break that down because I'm the caveman yeah. over here going, film good. You have actually brought, broken it down to a science, and I think I just well, have what the that is, you, you say breaking it down to a science just to kind of add the cap on it. Mm-hmm. What I just did in that exercise, that's what the bubble is. When we talk about the roster bubble, yeah. Like we talk about it as this abstract thing that like players who are maybe on the roster, maybe they're not. That is the, the, the quantified roster bubble is the at-large yeah. roster spots. It's these are the guys that don't have a defined role on the team, but are still good enough to make the roster. But there's only so many spots for such players. So it's, 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 you know, 10, 15 guys for five spots and you do the math from there. Now, I think I undersimplified it with the receivers because in my head, I'm saying at these practices, I'm rooting for Taekwon Thornton. Like, I'm not anti, I want him to show what the team expected from him as that second round pick. But at the same time, looking at what they've done in training camp, in my head, I'm going, well, Kayshawn Booty has earned a spot so far. Obviously, long way to go still. Taekwon hasn't. 
So my thing has been, well, Taekwon might catch the little Foxborough flu, and that's where you kind of find a way to yeah. finagle, where it's like, okay, Kayshawn Booty gets a little bit of time, see what we've really got there, and then see how the roster plays out, because obviously injuries and things like that are an unfortunate part of the game. And then usually that has a pretty big factor in where these spots end up going, and is that really unquantifiable thing where, okay, unfortunately we lose this player for a certain amount of time, but it opens the door for somebody else. And you mentioned so the tight. Oh yes, go on, go on. Yeah, no. So, so I just want to say, like, that's there, there's always that Foxborough flu element of it. Mm. But again, how are you Foxborough fluing Tyquan Thornton? Are you going to put him on IR before cutdown and lose him for the year? Because at that point, you're pretty much you're not cutting him, but that's everything but. You're waving the white yeah. flag on that pick. Yeah. He's losing a year of development. Uh, you're moving forward without him. Are you going to try to get him on the 53, then IR him, then bring Kayshawn Booty back again? I don't know that Kayshawn Booty's the guy that's getting through waivers. Maybe you do that at another position, and they've done weird things in the past to manipulate this, not keep a backup quarterback initially, not keep a kicker initially. I don't think either of those are options this year, but mm. they can do some weird things with that. But it, it Kayshawn Booty is what makes this so unique because he is so unique as a sixth-round pick with his ability. Let's say the roles were reversed. And Kayshawn Booty was the guy that was straight up, this dude's amazing, he's clearly an NFL player, and, and DeMario Douglas was the guy that, yeah, you know, we need to steal a little more, but he's encouraging. Then it would be easy. All right, you wave DeMario Douglas, you get him through waivers, you bring him back after Taekwondo goes on IR. LSU, you know, borderline All-American, wide receiver. It's like, ah, even if he's not, even if there are warts in his game in, in the preseason, if he shows enough that you'd be willing to bring him back, somebody's going to roster him on the 53. And then there's just yeah. the Patriots whole history wide receiver. You can't quit on talent at that position. If they do wave booty to keep Tyquan Thornton and Thornton becomes a bust and booty goes elsewhere and becomes a star, there's no coming back from that for Matt Groh. Yeah. He is, that is going to be brought up anytime they make a decision at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. it's, it, 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 there's no perfect answer here, and they've done this to themselves. The perfect answer is figure it out at wide receiver long before you get to the point where you're counting on two six-round picks. Sign DeAndre Hopkins. Draft uh, 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 Christian Watson in the first round instead of a guard. Those were the right answers here. But, yeah, they, they are in this really interesting spot where something's going to have to give. If it were me, Tyquan Thornton to IR, as much as I just poo-pooed that, is sounding better and better by the day and just kind of punting on him for the season. There's a long way to go, so we'll see, but... I just I would hate to see them quit on Kayshawn Booty because I mm -hmm. I I think he he's not your typical sixth round pick. I think he's a guy. Yeah, and I mean he was touted. It's not like he was a sixth round pick going into his last year in college. He was considered the best receiver in that draft class entering right. that season, but then everything changed. And then Taekwon Thornton, like already people people were saying it when he was picked. This feels like a reach because he's a thin guy. Yeah, he's fast, but he's mostly fast. The physicality isn't really a big part of this game. With Kishon Booty, he's a much more well-rounded prospect. So again, pulling for Taekwon Thornton. But if we see for the rest of this offseason program, what we've seen from him for most of it already, then it's a pretty good excuse to be like, all right, we got to take a flyer because we got a guy who we really do feel good about. So the one other interesting thing in here, and I know, I know you want to keep moving, but I just, this is the position. This is gold. This is, this is, gold. This is why you're here. <laughs> and again, this is another one where ideally they're not in this situation, but it's too late. Mm -hmm. you so so ideally e even if he's struggling a guy you use the 50th overall pick on you put him out there and you want to let him you know develop his game in real time and maybe there's mm -hmm. some words that come with that but you know hey let's just put this guy on the field and let him figure it out the problem is they're also doing that with another player on offense and that's mac jones mm -hmm. and 
ideally Mac Jones would have figured this all out last year and he'd be just hitting the ball, hitting the ground, rolling, going to year three. Well, they made Matt Patricia the offense coordinator and that wasn't going to happen. So you need to maximize what's around Mac Jones so you can have him at his best and figure out what he is. I don't know that you can simultaneously develop Mac Jones and Tyquan Thornton right now. Because if Tyquan Thornton isn't a guy, if he's not like a capable NFL receiver, you're asking Mac Jones to play 11 on 10, uh, uh, 10 on 11. And that's not a full evaluation. It yeah. sucks that they kind of have to choose between Mac Jones and Tyquan Thornton. But again, that's a spot they put themselves in. And if that is the choice, I'm sorry, it's a no brainer. One's a quarterback. That is the position you need to develop. So not great that they put themselves in that situation. That's not like roster building 101. It's not a spot you should be in. But it's where they're at. And it's another element I think you have to factor in. What wide receiver group kept, cut, IR, whatever, maximizes Mac Jones? And that might be a group without Tyquan Thornton. Yep. They dug their grave. They got to live with the consequences, unfortunately. Once again, man, especially because of the dynamic element that Tyquan can bring, you know, if he lives up to what they expected. Again, when they chose him with that pick, that's ideal. But as you said, You've got to put your chips in Mac Jones's basket. And if Kayshawn Booty really continues to say, hey, I earned this spot. I'm putting in the work. I'm putting in good film. You're not going to risk putting me on waivers. We'll see what happens. Again, too early, yeah. but Booty's definitely pulling ahead in that race. Now, this is a bit of an easier position to predict. Tight end. You got Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. No one's going to argue with that. I think the more interesting part is what they do with Matt Sokol and Anthony Ferkser. I think those are two guys who are really strong practice squad candidates because Sokol, good inline blocker. We've seen him have some impressive contested catches. Not as consistent, but I mean, from somebody who I don't think people were really expecting much, period, he has shown up. And then Ferkser's a guy that I thought was a dark horse for the roster because of his positional versatility. You know how much Bill O'Brien loves playing with personnel groupings. Ferkser's a guy who could be a fullback. He could be your number three receiver inside when they go empty. He can be in line. He can be offline. You know, there's a lot there. And obviously, he's bounced around teams, so it's not like he's a guy they have to keep necessarily. But I do think he could be a good chess piece in the you know that game that O'Brien likes to play so I mean again Hunter Henry Mike Isigi that's pretty straightforward what do you think about those two guys Sokol and Berkser and where their potential spots could be so I I would add in Johnny Lumpkin Scotty Washington too I think Fair. all four tight ends and, and, and what's great about that group behind Henry and Gesicki is you have Matt Sokol who's kind of just your traditional wide tight end you know he can catch a little bit he can block a little bit you have a, a Ferkser, who kind of like you highlighted, there's more that H-back type. You have Johnny Lumpkin, who's essentially another tackle. And then you have Scotty Washington, who's more like Mike Kosicki, who's almost another, like he's a hybrid tight end wide receiver. To me, it's a no-brainer. Put those four guys on the practice squad, and week by week, as the matchup dictates, whichever skill set you need the most, elevate a guy. And you can elevate all players twice. So if you have four tight ends, they each get two elevations. That gets you to the end of October. And at that point, roster spot probably opens up. Injuries are a reality. And you figure out which player is the best fit, and you add them to the 53. That, that like, I, they should not need to give Matt Sokol a roster spot. Mm -hmm. They, yes, there's going to be days they want three tight ends active, but this is again where you go to that, that, that practice squad elevation rule. Right. I don't think they should be able to get all, all four of those guys in the practice squad, do that, elevate them as needed. There's too much. We, we just talked, we spent what, 10 minutes at wide receiver. We still got to get to linebacker. We still got to get to corner. <laughs> there's too much of a roster crunch elsewhere. I would just leave it at the two tight ends and use the take advantage of the practice squad rules elsewhere. 
I do think it's interesting though, because I, I couldn't put more than two on the practice squad when I was going through my potential projections. Do you think four tight ends on the practice squad is too many, or do you think they all really do justify those spots? So if you ask them, it's not four tight ends. And that's why I think they justify it. It's a tight end. Okay. It's an H back. Right. It's a receiver right. and it's different line. roles. Right. Okay. So if look, if, if it was for Matt Sokols, if it was for just traditional, you know, vanilla tight ends, no, you're going to keep one, maybe two. If you're worried about the health of Henry and Gasicki, move on from there. But I, I, I feel like, especially when you get down to the practice squad, what they've done, I've noticed with those practice squad elevation rules is they, a lot of players who maybe aren't like great, well-rounded players, but have one elite skill that they know they can exploit in certain matchups. Those are the kind of guys they can keep on the practice squad. So, well, Sokol, Ferkser, Lumpkin, Washington, well, they all have the same two letters next to their name on the roster. Those are four guys that bring four completely different skill sets. So yeah. I don't think they look at those guys as overlap. If there is one guy that overlaps, it's Washington because his mm-hmm. skills, he's not giving you anything Mike Kosicki doesn't. He's right. more just Mike Kosicki insurance as opposed to another element to your offense. But I, I get, they kept two punters on the practice squad once. Like they could get weird with it. I, I would not them keeping four tight ends, especially the way this offense is built, would not surprise me in the slightest. Especially with Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki both in the last year of their contracts with the Patriots. Yeah. It's completely likely that they end up going elsewhere if they don't get extended or resigned or whatever. And then you got a big need for bodies who already have experience in the system could be a huge advantage. So moving on to the offensive line, you got David Andrews, obvious, Trent Brown, Mike and Wenu, Riley Reef, City So, Cole Strange, Antonio Maffi, and Jake Andrews. Now, you mentioned that the Patriots are usually pretty light on the offensive line when it comes to cutdown days, but having drafted three offensive linemen and obviously with the depth concerns they have, especially at offensive tackle, they're going to need more bodies at that position. So how did you come to who you ended up putting on your projection? And in terms of the guys that you left out, what did you think was a determining factor there? And who do you think ends up on the practice squad? Like Stuber and Chase and Highs, are they some guys who you think they're going to try to retain? What are your thoughts on that position? Yeah, honestly, it's kind of by default. I have them keeping nine guys, and and maybe there's a Foxborough flu in here for somebody somewhere. But look, they're, they're so. Andrews, <laughs> Br- right? <laughs> Andrews Brown, uh, the Andrews Brown, Onwenu, Strange. Uh, those are your four starters. You, you're going to keep McDermott and Reef because that's your starting and backup tackles. Now you're at six without any of the rookies. Jake Andrews, Antonio Mafia City. So you can't cut those guys. They're all top 150 picks. You can't burn those contracts. And that's nine. I'd love to keep Chase and Hines. I know that they're going to want to keep James Ferentz. I know they really like Cody Rusey. I also left out Calvin Anderson because Bill did not sound optimistic about getting him yeah. back. But if Calvin Anderson comes back, I don't know, because they gave uh, they gave Riley Reef a lot of money. He's the 20th highest paid right tackle. He's a starting paid right tackle in the NFL. They've kind of just done this to themselves where they, they have a bunch of guys that aren't necessarily starters, but they can't cut. Again, I think a Fox Barrow flu is coming for somebody. But yeah, right now they have to keep nine guys. There's really nobody in there you can cut unless Riley Reef becomes, uh, you know, totally takes off or Connor McDermott totally takes off and Calvin Anderson comes back and you cut whichever right tackle doesn't take off. But uh, Bill Murray will still be here on the practice squad. Cody Roos will still be here on the practice squad. James France will still be here on the practice squad. I'd love to see a way for them to keep Chase and Hines too and Andrew Stuber. I like those guys, but now what am I at? Four tight ends and four offensive linemen. That's half the practice squad. Um, the big boys. Although, so that's eight plus I have one tight end is nine. I didn't keep any running backs or receivers. So, okay, so I'm at nine on the practice 
squad. I still have some room. We'll see. I didn't do the practice squad on my roster projections. So we're going to do this in real time. But mm. yeah, I, I just, this one's actually kind of easy because there's mm. so many guys they can't afford to cut that, yeah. that there's a very, you get to that number. And even though there's other guys you want to keep, you're not keeping 10 linemen. You're not going to have 150 a roster being offensive linemen. So mm. you, you go from there. If Mike and Wenu ends up starting the season on Pup, now uh, this would be a pretty dire situation for the Patriots as right tackle is already an issue. I've been saying one offensive line spot that's kind of a liability. You can get away with that. You can cover that up, especially with Bill O'Brien, an offensive coordinator of his caliber. If you also have a problem at right guard, that's a bigger issue. So if he does start on Pup, who do you think takes that spot? I've got Cody Rusey personally because mostly he's been really involved with Mac Jones. It seems like he's a guy that they want in the rotation, even if Mafia ends up being the guy who plays. Do you think maybe that's James Ferentz? Who do you think benefits if they don't get him when you start the season? I think it's Antonio Maffi. He's been the best player of the group you named. I know he's not the most experienced, but he's looked really good over there at right guard. And it's, it's, you know, you go from nine roster spots to eight. It, it opens up a roster spot elsewhere. Yeah. If, if okay. a window opens on PUP, I think that's just one less lineman they keep. Cause again, they generally keep seven or eight. I don't know if they're going to go out of their way to keep nine. So I, mm-hmm. it, and it's not, I'm not just saying Maffi's going to start cause it's, it makes the roster projection work. Like I think he's been the best guard and he's a guy they worked with at the shrine bowl. They have a level of familiarity with him, with Adrian Clem's ties to the UCLA program. And obviously, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chip Kelly is a guy who has a relationship with Bill Belichick. It's a team that generally doesn't trust workies, but when they do, one, they're usually on the offensive line, and two, they're usually guys from certain programs they believe in. So yeah. I, I think that Mafia would be – they'd at least give him a shot. Maybe he blows up, it's it's not working, and something gets changed in like late September where, where James Ferentz or Cody Roosie's added to the roster. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even one of those guys is elevated from the practice squad the first few weeks, and they go back and forth, and they continue that competition into the regular season. But, I yeah, I don't think that that would lead to them keeping an extra lineman. Okay, I actually like that a lot more. It makes some of these projections a lot easier. Uh, and with Moffy, when you talk to Adrian Clem, when you talk to Bill Belichick, even when I spoke to Moffy, well-coached, keeps coming up. They clearly have a lot of respect for his pedigree, and we've seen that that's translated on the field as him getting a lot of opportunities to show what he has at both guard spots. Football season's about to kick off, and FanDuel's giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can choose your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com Boston. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gamblinghelpma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Alex. Now let's move on to the defensive line. Now here, you got Christian Barmore, Carl Davis, Devon Godshaw, Lauren Sky, Ricky Keon White, and Dietrich Wise. Now, I feel like most of those guys, you know, people would agree with. Carl Davis is somebody that's a bit of a surprise because Daniel Equale is off. Now, we talked to our buddy Evan Lazar about this. He didn't think that Carl Davis was going to make the roster. And I'm a pretty big Daniel Equale guy. I had him on my projection, but you left him off. So, 
What is it that Carl Davis brings that you think makes him a guy who's going to make the roster? And why'd you leave off my guy, Daniel Iguala? So honestly, like I, there were so many guys, right. With that roster crunch at the beginning when we were doing the offense and I kept talking about, Oh, you know, you, you cut this guy and you, you bring him back after you put somebody on IR or whatever, or like you keep, you, you keep him, you cut somebody else, you bring them back. Mm-hmm. So those players had to come eventually. I had a quality cause I just, you know, he's got one year left on his deal. He's got a PED suspension uh, on his record. He's a guy I think you could cut and get back pretty easily. I feel the same way about Carl Davis. Honestly, between those two, it was a coin flip for me. Who was going to be the guy that was cut and brought back? Like I had a quality as my 54th player. I think I had Carl Davis as my 53rd player. Um, it literally just came down to, you know, when I wrote it on Friday, the past few days, I thought Carl Davis had, you know, been a little bit better than Daniel LaQualia at camp. Mm. If you want to tell me you think it should be the other way around, honestly, I wouldn't disagree. Again, I think it's a coin flip there, but between those two guys, I think you're 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 looking at players who get who could get cut and brought back while the rest of the roster gets shaken out. I think that's pretty fair. And one guy I'm actually curious about, Jeremiah Farms. Now, he's a bit of an under-the-radar guy. I don't think a lot of fans maybe are familiar with. Not only does he play on the interior of the defensive line, we've also seen him in the past year, also at times last season, spend some time on the offensive line. Do you think he's somebody that could sneak onto the practice squad, or do you think he's maybe too much of a project considering all the other talented guys that they've got who could take those practice squad slots? Yeah, I, I think he's absolutely a guy they'd keep because he he can play both sides of the ball, kind of like Bill Murray-ish, just a, mm-hmm. a guy that can do a lot for them in, in terms of practice. He's not going to make the team. Yeah, I, I don't think he's an NFL <laughs> player, but he's the kind of guy they like to have around on the practice squad. So what, yeah, what yeah. I, had, I had four tight ends, four offensive linemen, a quarterback, eight, nine. All right, so I'm at 10 practice squad spots, so I'll have to keep track of that. You got six left. Six left, brother. All right, linebackers. Now, straightforward one, Juwan Bentley. Chris Board, who's one of the rare specialists who also could have a bit of a significant role on defense. We'll see how that plays out, but he's definitely been in the mix. Anthony Jennings is a guy who I had trouble finding a spot for on my roster projection as hard as I tried, but I do see the value there. So I'm curious what you think on him. Matthew Judon, obviously just got a pay bump. Marte Mapu, the linebacker. We know he's going to spend a pretty good amount of time in the defensive backfield. Uh, Jelani Tavai, a guy who's been doing a lot better as a Patriot in the past. Uh, last season, I thought he really took a step forward. He's looking good this year. Josh Uche, last year of his deal, the best pass rusher. And Mac Wilson, somebody that you said looks good in camp. I haven't particularly spotted him, although there was that play to, I think it was the crossing route to Mike Kosicki, where Mac was like a tick late. And Wilson made him pay with a really, really impressive pass breakup. He struggled with recognition last season. And I think that was a big reason he didn't really play on the defensive side of the ball, although he was a core special teamer. So what were your thoughts on that position and how that shook out for you? Yeah, look, I know eight's a lot. And, and initially coming into camp, my 53rd spot was between Mac Wilson and Anthony Jennings because Jennings, Jennings, I know people aren't super high on him, but he played 35% of their defensive snaps last year. That's not nothing. And he continues to rep with the number one team. So I hit him over Mac Wilson, but I don't know. I think Mac Wilson's made a lot of plays in this camp, especially in mm-hmm. coverage. And if Marte Mapu is going to be as important as we think he is, you'd better have good depth behind him. And yeah. Mac Wilson is the closest guy to that skill set. He's not a one for one. Nobody's going to be. It's part of the reason Marte Mapu is so exciting. But so, yeah, I have eight linebackers. I know that number's a lot. Now, it's kind of inflated because, like you said, Marte Mapu is multi positional and Chris Board you could probably list with the special teamers. I list him with the linebacker because I think he'll play enough on defense to justify that. Mm -hmm. I've kind of, you know, people ask me, well, who is this guy really? Is he a special teamer? Is he, you know, is he going to play? What is he? 
I kind of said he's like the defensive version of Brandon Bolden, right? Brandon Bolden was a special teamer, but he was not a he wasn't Matthew Slater. Mm-hmm. He he'd give you snaps of running back. If you need him to play running back, he'd give you 100, 150 snaps a year. So I think that's Chris Board's role. He's kind of that second downhill linebacker behind Juwan Bentley, so they can keep Tavaya on the edge. And then yeah, he'll play a key role on special teams as well. But you know, it's inside and outside linebacker for sure. I know it's a lot, but they got a lot of talent there, and there's not a ton of overlap in terms of the skill sets. You have a lot of guys that bring a lot of different things to the table. And I think this defense wants to be as multiple as it can be. So it's, that's a spot where you got to keep a lot of players. That's totally fair. And Matt Wilson, I trust your eye. I've been kind of paying more attention to the receivers and the secondary because I feel like they're the talk of the town right now. Uh, so Mac Wilson, like to see that he's making some strides his second year in the system. Another guy I want to bring up, kind of like we talked about Jeremiah Farms, kind of an under-the-radar guy most fans are familiar with, but could have a role on the team on the practice squad, Calvin Munson. He's a guy that we've seen take reps with guys who are projected to be starters on defense at times, not a ton, but enough that you're like, okay, I wasn't expecting this from a Calvin Munson also seems to be a guy who's getting a lot of reps, with the core special teamers. I don't think he's going to make the roster, but because he's more of that downhill guy, like a Juwan Bentley or a Jelani Tavai, it seems like he could have a role as a guy where certain game plans, they elevate him potentially. What do you think about his, you know, chance at making the team either on the roster or on the practice squad? Yeah, so it, I think they like Munson, and, and he's – I think this is his third stint. I know it's definitely his second. It might be his third. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he he can do some of that downhill linebacker stuff. We've even seen him rep a little bit on the edge with that first team, so they really like him. He's a guy you can get on the practice squad. Like, I, he's not going to get claimed. He's a guy that, that is a very specific fit for them. Maybe he gets elevated down the road if they need to kind of change things up on special teams or if they do need another linebacker, but uh, we'll call that my 11th, uh, 11th practice squad squad. 11th. I, I, I just – they have too much talent linebacker for him to get on the 53. Yeah. A lot of diverse talent there. And you know, he does kind of overlap. So it makes a lot of sense. All right. Now, cornerback, like I said, a position I personally been paying a lot of attention to, because I feel like it's just this sexy position as well. in the defensive side of the ball, miles, Bryant underappreciated. Uh, I think he's a guy who's really growing as a leader on the team. Obviously you do not want him in man covered situations. I think that's fair. The criticism in that area of his game is warranted, but I think his intelligence, his physicality and his ability to replace its own coverage, which is where I think he thrives is very underrated. He's a versatile player, allows him to do a lot of different things in the secondary. Christian Gonzalez, you've got as well. Jack Jones. Now he's an interesting case we can get into. Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones. I think they're pretty straightforward. Like I said, Jack Jones, with his legal situation, we're not sure if he's actually going to be on the roster for week one or the entire season. So in the event that he isn't on the team, who do you think benefits the most? Obviously, Isaiah Bolden and Amir Speed aren't on this projection, but they're two guys obviously selected in this year's draft who do have potential, although in different roles. I think it's Isaiah Bolden because, and you just kind of hit on it, I think Amir speed maybe has a little more special teams upside, but mm-hmm. I think they like Isaiah Bolden potentially as like a long-term cornerback. And even if the plan would be to cut him and bring him back, you don't want to burn his rookie contract. If you're going to start playing him as a boundary corner, people forget this. When you cut a guy, even if you bring him back, you don't bring him back on his rookie deal. You have to sign a new contract. The rookie deal has been voided. Yeah. Do you really want to be going year to year with like your potential third boundary corner? You don't not at that age. So I had Isaiah Bolden off. I had him as my 55th player after Daniel Aquali, who I already explained that situation. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to figure out a way to get him on the team. I just couldn't do it. And that's why they're paid to do that. I'm paid to do this. But he's shown a lot of promise at corner. I, I 
they need a really good insurance plan for Jack Jones. It's just the reality of it, whether it's this year, whether it's down the line, they need that. I don't think they want to play Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones on the boundary as much as they have in the past. I I, I really like Isaiah Bold as prospects to make the team. I, yeah, Amir Speed brings some ability on special teams and he's another one of these big athletic guys like Bolden, but I just seen more from Bolden as a corner that if I had, I, I, they're not going to be able to keep both. And I know, you know, maybe some people think I sound hypocritical. Well, you're burning Amir Speed's contract, just like you're burning Isaiah Bolden's contract. If you cut him. if I have to pick one, I'm picking Bolden. I think Bolden has more, more long-term upside at, at the cornerback position. And I'll go year to year with the special teams guy in Amir Speed. I, I don't want to go year to year with the potential starting corner. I think that's fair. And, Bolden has given up a lot of receptions. Like he's not getting burned or anything. It's not like, all right, this guy doesn't belong on an NFL field, but you'd like to see him finish more. That said, the athletic profile, the versatility in college, he played all over the secondary and he was, he's got a lot of experience. I think he led the uh, Tigers last year in defensive snaps played, which is still valuable. He's seen a lot of action. So I agree. I don't know how to fit Bolden on my projection either, but I think he's someone I agree with his skill set and with what he brings on defense, not just as a kicker turner as well, was arguably the best kicker turner in the country last year. He's someone you'd like to keep around. Now it's safety. We got somebody who similar to Isaiah Bolden. I didn't know how to keep him on my roster and Joshua Bledsoe. Now I know the team likes him. He's been in the rotation with guys. You expect to have a big role in the defense, it's just that he doesn't play a lot of special teams necessarily from what we've just seen in his career. That could also be, you know, whether he's active, whether he's inactive. Uh, and then behind him, you've got Kyle Duggar, Jalen Mills, Jabril Peppers, Adrian Phillips. Really the guys you expect are pretty much going to be locks. So let's get a bit more into Joshua Bledsoe. What have you seen from him and why he's going to crack the 53? I, I just think that's a guy they like. They, they don't mm -hmm. cut players like Joshua Bledsoe. He's a smart football player. He's a physical football player. And look, he, he made the roster last year. I think that surprised some people, but he made the roster last year and he hasn't looked worse. So mm -hmm. I, I think if he made it last year, the circumstances are similar. I think he'll be back on. Uh, I think he'll probably have a bigger special teams role this year. But I just, you know, guys that rep with the ones generally make the team. And he's mm -hmm. been repping with the ones. So I'm I'm inclined to believe that they're they're – uh, of the in the thought process currently that they're going to keep them with Kizik Hands free shoes. Motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion with over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology. You'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Yeah, fair enough. And especially at that position, you got some older guys. Hopefully, I think we're in the same boat here. Hopefully, they re-sign Kyle Duggar, and he's not going anywhere anytime yes. soon, obviously. But uh, Jalen Mills, he's on a one-year deal, kind of is that tight end eraser is what he's projected to be. Obviously, he's got a background as a corner. But in that like big nickel slot role, it seems like Bledsoe's a pretty good fit there. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a pretty good idea to keep him around, keep some youth at the position. All right, defense, we cleared. Now we're moving on to special teams. Now, this one, we've got some battles, but you've got rookies winning out. For kicker, Chad Ryland, punter, Bryce Berenger, and then the veteran who we all know and love, Joe Cardona. Why do you think Nick Folk and Corliss Waitman aren't going to make the 53? And how do you see it playing out? Are they going to get on the practice squad or the Patriots maybe going to try to get compensation for one of those guys? How's that going to play out? So I, I, 
and, and oh, so Amir Speed was my my 12th practice squad player. Corliss Waitman will be my 13th. I, that, this one's easier. Bryce Beringer's been the better punter. I think mm-hmm. they keep Waitman, and Marcus Jones kind of talked about this today. Beringer is a right-footed punter. You have Waitman, who's a left-footed punter. You can prepare for both looks. And in case something happens with the rookie, you know, you have somebody in the building already. As for the kickers, I actually think they would, in a perfect world, they'd like to keep both. I know mm-hmm. some people have floated that, and it's kind of been poo-pooed. It's like, eh, it's kind of college nonsense. I think they want to do it. I think they would love to have Nick Folk as their short-distance kicker and Chad Rowland as their long-distance kicker. Their roster doesn't support being able to do that. I think they're ultimately mm-hmm. going to come to find that. And when it comes to picking Ryland over Folk, one, he was a fourth-round pick. You're not going to cut bait with a fourth-round yeah. pick. We talked about that with the offensive lineman. Two, they have that mantra of move on from a player a year too early as opposed to a year too late. Nick Folk's 38 years old. He had a rough second half of last season. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you look at that and say we're going to move on from this promising rookie. Now, could they keep Nick Folk on the practice squad? Maybe. At 38 years old, he's clearly comfortable in New England. And so he lives in Dallas. He commutes not every day, but, you know, he goes back and forth during the season. His kids are in school in Dallas. You know, he goes back and forth between home and Dallas and here. And he, he's, you know, he keeps coming back. So he clearly has found some sort of comfortable routine and rhythm with that. And he clearly doesn't mind it. Is he going to go all the way to Seattle? Is he going to go to New York? Is he going to go to, to, you know, Southern California? Well, he is from Southern California, so that one's maybe different. But, like, I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Yeah. But I don't know if you've seen what's going on in Dallas Cowboys training camp. They have the – their only kicker right now is an MLS player who's never been – he's never played football. So they're in trouble. That's desperate. Is, That's desperation. <laughs> if he has a chance to go to Dallas, get on the 53-man roster, make more money than he would on the Patriots practice squad, play for objectively a better team, and live at home and not have to commute – you know, halfway across the country, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think you would, I wouldn't blame him. I don't think anybody would blame him for, for, you know, going off the Patriots practice squad for that setup. So, you know, and maybe I, I think the Texans have talked about needing a kicker. I think the saints might be in the market for a kicker. So there's some areas that are at least closer to Dallas. Um, and again, if one of the LA teams needs a kicker, he's, he's from LA. I, I think he's still his family in LA. I grew up in LA. So maybe that's an option, but yeah, like Seattle, that's a tough commute. Is he going to do that? You know, is he going to, learn that from square one i don't know um but he's i it would be tough to get him on the practice squad you're really gonna have to sell him on that one especially if dallas comes calling now i don't think they need him on the practice squad i think between ryland and Beringer, they have enough and ryland's been good enough on kickoffs that they're covered there Beringer can hold like they're set but i yeah i i just think that it's it's a logical nick folk's been great for them he's been excellent but that year two early versus that year two elite thing, 38 fell off at the end of last year. The last thing you want is to get to the middle of the year and realize you don't have a kicker. You don't want to go into that kicker carousel in the middle of the season. I don't think people realize how rare it was for the Patriots to find folk the way he did. And people conveniently forget that Mike Nugent was a disaster for like three or four weeks before they then flipped back to folk. Um, so, you know, Nick folk's been a great Patriot and it's, I, I love covering him. Like personally, he's a very fascinating guy to talk to. Um, obviously been a tremendous kicker here. Thanks. Thanks for the time. But this is just a very logical uh, spot to part ways for the Patriots and Nick Folk. So is he not taking up one of your practice squad spots? You leaving it open? I just, I don't see how, like I'd offer it to him. I don't see how Dallas doesn't call him and say, Hey, we'll give you, you know, a real NFL salary to come be our kicker. Cause he's still one of the 32 best kickers in the league right. um, at the start of the season. So I, I'd give it to him. And look, I have three left, right? I was at 13. Yes, they're going to need to sign. They're going to need to sign a running back. So call that 14. Mm. I'd offer it to him, 
I don't think he'd take it. I don't know why he would. And again, I think Dallas would just call him and, and Brad, they're probably chomping at the bit waiting. Frankly, from the Patriots, before I cut him, I would call Dallas and see if I get a pick for him. That, that that's, that's really what I because you're not gonna get anything, you know, you're not gonna get a top one hundred pick, but you can get a sixth round pick for Nick Polk, a seventh round pick for Nick Polk, team that's supposed to have playoff hopes that doesn't have a kicker. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't think that that's a, a ludicrous take, a ludicrous outcome. Patriots like their late round trade chips. Nick Volk gets to go home, be closer to his family. I'd say that's a win-win all around. Yeah. All right. Now, last but certainly not least, we've got our specialists. Now, you've got Jordan Helig. I tried so hard. Again, I, I feel like this is just the story of the defense. I had a lot of trouble finding room for a lot of these defenders. You've got Jordan Helig on the undrafted free agent. It was tough trying to find a spot because I see him as more of the heir apparent to Matthew Slater. Maybe not immediately because obviously he spends a lot of time with him, kind of like Brendan Schooler did last year. We've seen what Brendan Schooler did. He's also on your projection. Matthew Slater, obviously, and Demarcus Mitchell, another guy who's kind of a rare athlete in the Keon White mold where he's a bigger dude who you wouldn't expect to be as fast as he is and can actually run downfield and make plays. He was an impact guy for them, kind of an under-the-radar player where, again, most fans may not know who he is, but he's got a role on this team. What did you see from Jordan Healing that you said, yeah, he's somebody that got to find room for him? Honestly, that UDFA streak. Well, so first mm -hmm. off, I think he's going to make the team. Like the guys that work one-on-one -on -one with Slater and Accord, especially as much as Healy has, those guys generally end up making the roster. So mm -hmm. I, I, first and foremost, I want to be right. He's a guy I think that's going to be on the team. The other thing is I, I, they value that UTFA streak and we're talking about the 20th year in a row here and eh, they, they kind of played with the wording a little bit to continue it and JJ Taylor in 2020 and all that, but no, they, they've had a UDFA on their week one roster every year for, for, for the last 19 years. And that's important to them. And, and, and it matters. And I know people roll their eyes at that, but they care about that and it's useful to them because they use that as a recruiting tool, essentially when talking to UDFAs, I remember, as a rookie, Jacoby Myers told us that was a big part of the reason he signed here was he knew that he was going to be given a legitimate chance to make the team and not just be seen as a camp body. And wouldn't you know it, he made the team and ended up being a pretty damn good NFL player. So I I think that that streak means a lot to them. And I, I don't know, after he looked like it's tough, maybe Johnny Lumpkin makes it. But again, he's a guy who can get to the practice squad, elevate. I think they're good there. I don't know if they need to carry the third tight end. Um who are I, I'm trying like Justice Tavai? They've got plenty of depth on the defensive line. I don't think he's going to make it. Thyric Pitts isn't going to make the team. I'm missing somebody, and I, I have no idea who I'm missing, but I know I'm missing one one guy. But um, yeah, none of those guys are going to make the team. So mm. I, I, I honestly, this I feel that the streak is as in jeopardy this year as it's been in a long time. But like I could, if if it didn't extend this year, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing to me. But I, I do think they want to extend it and. Jordan Healy is the most logical, um, logical player to do that. Oh, the other guy's Malik Cunningham. Duh. Right. Um, he's going to be on the practice squad. He's, he's not going to make the team. Right. Well, Alex, you make me smarter every day. This was no different. I really appreciate the time, bud. Right now, the floor is yours. Anything you'd like to plug, fire away. Yeah, so obviously 985thesportshub.com, all my content up there. Uh, Catch 22 podcast with Evan Lazar, uh, it, mostly every Thursday or actually Wednesday this week. So, because obviously there's the game going on on Thursday, but that's on patriots.com. Um, pay, the, the Patriots Beat podcast with Brian Hines on CLNS Media, right here on the CLNS Media YouTube channel. And for the rest of it, follow me on Twitter at Real Alex Park. 
Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time so much. Thank you all for watching. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll see you next time.